This is the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in today for episode 31. Today we are concluding our conversation series called Read the Room. Uh, If you've been on the journey with us for the last several weeks, we've been talking about uh, those moments where you, you know, walk into a room or to a situation and you have a reaction that is uh, opposite of what the room really needed, right? And so we see those same types of things happening in the lives of the first 12 disciples of Jesus. And what we're doing is we're using those moments in their life to help us in our own faith journeys. And so what I want to do today to to conclude this series is I want to tell you a story that I think really highlights where uh, we're trying to go today in our topic uh, with uh, how God wants to work through us. And so the story goes like this. There was a person who was called uh, the water bearer. That's their name. Okay, they're the water bearer and they lived in India. Now, this water bearer had two large pots that hung on both sides of a pole that he carried around his neck to and from his house to the river, back to his house every day. Now, one of the pots had a crack in it while the other pot was perfect and always delivered uh, a full portion of water. So at the end of a, the very long walk from the river to the house, the crack pot always arrived half full. Now, the crack pot was ashamed of its own imperfection and was miserable that it was able to accomplish only half of what it had been made to do. So after two years of what it perceived to be a bitter failure, this pot spoke to the water bearer one day by the river. And the crack pot says to the water bearer, I am ashamed of myself and I want to apologize to you. I've been able to deliver only half of my load because the crack in my side causes water to leak out all the way back to your house. Because of my flaws, you have to do all of this work and you don't get to enjoy the full value of your efforts. Now, I, I really, the favorite, my favorite part of this story is the response that the water bearer gives to this crack pot. The bearer says to the pot, did you notice that there were flowers only on your side of the path, not on the other pot side? That's because I've always known about your flaw. And I planted flower seeds on your side of the path, and every day while we walk back, you've watered them. For two years, I've been able to pick up these beautiful flowers to decorate the table. Without you being just the way you are, there would not be these beautiful things to grace our house. You see, I love that story because it's such a beautiful reminder to me that I don't have to be like someone else in order to make an impact. I don't know about you, but I sometimes struggle with feeling like God can't use me because I'm not somebody else. I look at uh, the people I admire, the people who inspire me, and I think, why can't I be like them, God? Look at the impact they're making. Or sometimes I just feel like God should just call someone else and not me because I may not have the ability to do the things others are doing. And I'd imagine for you that there may have been a time or two that you felt the same way. Maybe someone asked you to serve in some capacity or uh, to take on a project at work, or maybe, you know, you follow some influencer, maybe a mom or a dad or somebody on Instagram, and you look at them and you think, I can't do that. I can't be that type of mom or dad or leader or pastor or husband or CEO or fireman or police officer or, or McDonald's worker or wife. Whatever you identify, you think, I can't do that. That's not who you are. 
And so what often happens is that this feeling leaves us paralyzed with inaction. Either we're scared we're going to fail or we just think we don't have the ability to do something. So what do we do? We do nothing. And I think this especially happens when God puts opportunities for us to serve him and the kingdom right in front of us. We automatically assume he made a mistake and got the wrong person. Like, like God, I can barely speak in front of people, but you want me to teach an elementary class at church? Yeah, I don't know about that. Or God, I don't have any kids, but you keep sending me these opportunities to serve with students. Or God, I have no idea how to interact with someone who comes from a different background than me, but you want me to invite them over to our house? We assume we're not, therefore we can't, right? We're not this, so we can't do that. And that's where we often find the first 12 disciples of Jesus. On many occasions, we read how they believe they weren't capable of something, so therefore they couldn't do something. Now, there's this particular story in the writings of Matthew, who was one of the original 12. Uh, He tells about this one time where they didn't read the room well. And so the story goes like this, that Jesus had just learned that his dear friend, John the Baptist, was beheaded. So to grieve, Jesus decides to take a boat to go to a destination, a place by himself, right, to spend some time in solitude. Now, even in solitude, Jesus could not truly escape the crowds that tended to follow him. So somehow the people found out, like, hey, uh, word is passing. It just got on Twitter. We just sent it on the new uh, Clubhouse app. He's going to be at this place, and so everybody freaks out, and they're trying, and they end up going there, right? So thousands of people show up to the place where Jesus is supposed to be. Literally, they beat him to the spot. Okay. Now, if it were me, if I showed up, I was looking for solitude, and I get there, and there's all these people there, I'm gonna be really annoyed. But Jesus gets there, and he sees the massive cl- crowd. And instead of being angry or annoyed, Jesus has compassion. And I laugh because that's just who Jesus is, right? We'd be upset. Jesus is like, I feel for them. And so what does he begin to do? He begins to heal their sick, takes care of them, right? Now, as the day goes on and the evening begins to set in, the disciples, they're ready for the show to be over. So they're like, hey, Jesus, send these people away so they can go back home and eat dinner. Now, I want to stop here because I think this is a moment we, we shouldn't miss. Okay, so the evening has set in. If you do some study on this story, you you see that the actual interpretation is that the hour had already passed them. Okay, so it was past time that they would have normally eaten a meal. So the people basically missed the meal because they wanted to be near Jesus. The disciples, knowing this, decide that the best response is to send them home so they can eat. They're miles away from where they live, and the disciples want to send them to the nearby villages. And let them fend for themselves. The the quoted text is, send them away so they can buy themselves some food. Like, thanks for coming this far out and spending time with us. Now go fend for yourself for dinner and we'll see you later. And I love Jesus' response. It's almost like a sarcastic yet angry tone. He says, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. I imagine Jesus being like, come on, guys. Seriously? Again with this? Like, you're missing the point. You've completely misread the opportunity here. You see, the disciples believe what they could do didn't go beyond what they had already done. There was a need they didn't or couldn't see the opportunity to meet. And more often than not, we, like the disciples, miss out on opportunities to meet the needs of the people closest to us because we think 
What we can do doesn't go beyond what we've already done. Or we assume because we're not this, we can't do that. I'm not a teacher, so I can't teach. I'm not a public speaker, so I can't speak. I'm not a leader, so I can't lead. I'm not a parent, so I can't mentor. I'm not the same as them, so I can't relate. I'm not this, so I can't do that. But here's Jesus saying, you are more than what you believe you're capable of. You are more than the sum of your parts. And he wants to show you and I why and how. We just have to be open to the opportunity, right? And so this is what Jesus is communicating to the disciples. He believed that the disciples missed an opportunity to be something for those people in order to do something for those people. So he shows them, and he involves them in one of the many miracles that he performs. He takes five loaves of breads breads, and two pieces of fish and prays over them, breaks the bread, and then gives them to the disciples to feed everyone. Now, here's the coolest part about all this. It was estimated that around 5,000 men were able to eat in that moment. And that number isn't including the women and children that might have been present, which sends that number well into 10,000 or so. There was enough bread to go around that even the disciples had extra at the end. Matthew writes that there were 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread. Now, here's the point of the story. If you make yourself available, then God can and will use you. For shorthand, think of it this way. If you, then he. If you, then he. If you will do this, then he will do that. Now, this isn't some new concept of faith. You can trace this throughout all of the Bible where we read that if we do this, then he will do that. If we pray, then God will hear. If we repent, then God will forgive. If we love, then God will love in return. If we have faith, then God can move within us. Now, make sure you hear me in what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God is a genie and will grant your wishes if you do certain things. No. What I am saying, though, is that if we will make ourselves available for God to use, he will certainly use us. Now, it may not be in the way that we want to be used, but it will be in a way that will have a profound blessing for those that we get to serve. Because isn't that the whole point? That we want to be used by God, not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of the body of Christ, the kingdom of heaven, your neighbor, your spouse, your kids, your friends, your co-workers, or someone who needs to see the love, grace, and truth of Jesus. So what I want to do as we end is I just want to share a few keys to being used by God in your faith journey that I think will be both helpful to remind yourself daily as well as some practical next steps. Here's the first thing. Know who you are. Say it again. Know who you are. What I mean by this is to know who you are in Christ. One of the greatest gifts given to us when we become followers of Christ is an identity marker as a child of God. In his letter to the Roman Christians, Paul reminds them that if they are led by the Spirit of God, they are indeed his children. So if you're being led by God, then you are his child. And a good, good father will use his kids to help in his cause. So make sure you know who you are. Here's the second thing. Make yourself available, right? Practical and easy. Make yourself available. It's one thing to say you want to be used by God. It's a completely other thing to make yourself actually available to be used by God. You see, one is a statement. The other is an act. One is a concept. 
The other is a plan. Make yourself available means to be open to what opportunities may present themselves to you. Again, it may not be the opportunity you were hoping for or wanted, but I promise you it'll be the ones that you will have the most impact in. Okay? And finally, do all the good you can while you wait. Do all the good while you can while you wait. What tends to happen while we're waiting for God to use us is inaction. We feel like we don't have direction, so we do nothing. Now, there may be times in which God wants us to, you know, be still and to take time to rest in his promises and his presence for a bit before reengaging us and work. However, most of the time, God just wants you and I to do the next right thing. Uh, Rusty George talks about this in his book, After Amen. He says, if faith is knowledge based on what we know, sometimes all we know is the next right thing. While we wait to be used by God, we can do the next right thing. That's right in front of us. It's super easy. And maybe that's serving our families. Maybe that's serving our neighbors. Maybe that's serving a stranger. Whatever opportunity is right in front of us that would show love and grace and truth to Jesus, we should do it. Why? Because that's what it means to be an uncommon Christian. We know who we are in Jesus. We're open ourselves to however God wants to use us. And until then, we do the next right thing. Well, I want to thank you for listening today. If this was helpful for you, would you do me a favor, a big favor, and share this with others? Also, I'd love it if you would provide a positive rate and view on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it, which will help this show reach more people. And that's what it's all about, not about fame or popularity. This podcast is all about encouraging and inspiring every Christian to love Jesus and to live out their purpose in uncommon ways. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. For more information on today's topic, visit UncommonChristianPodcast.com.